Welcome to the latter sessions, where we're going deeper with the story of Jacob. We're going to take a couple of minutes each week and allow the word to ask questions of us. So grab a partner or a group and dive in with us. Here's this week's session. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another one of the latter sessions. Thanks for joining us as we journey in the life of Jacob. We've covered some ground by now. This is week three, and if you want to go back and see some of the rest, some of the things we'll discuss today might make a little bit more sense to you, so we encourage you to do that. You can grab everything to do with the latter series and these latter sessions on our website, on our podcast, available across all kinds of platforms, or on YouTube, and you can check out more of these videos. But we pray it's been a huge blessing to you, and today I hope it continues to bless you. So let's dive right back into the story. You know, really as I've been thinking about, um, you know, so many things in in relationship to Jacob as well, uh, one of the things that excites me most about the world that we live in right now is there's this like renewed space age kind of thing going on. So I don't know if you've heard about some of the, the test rockets that they're using and the idea of sending people to Mars and all kinds of stuff. And I mean, I remember um, watching shuttle launches and stuff as a kid, and then it seemed like just for a while it wasn't there. And I love it. It excites me. Uh, it's kind of like the, the old Star Trek intro, right? Space, the final frontier. And, um, you know, it got me thinking about the way that we are as human beings and, and how we're designed and kind of always have this next frontier mentality. There's always another frontier. There's always something else to reach for the stars, right? Something new to conquer. I was thinking back to 19th century American history and the concept of manifest destiny. Now, I know a couple of you have watched this from overseas, and we love you too. Manifest destiny uh, was something talked about in American history, which was this idea that it was sort of going to be inevitably happening that the people who had settled on the eastern seaboard of the United States would eventually cross from sea to sea and rule the entire uh, continent here. Manifest destiny. And it was the frontier of that time. If, if you grew up, you know, in America, thinking about the word frontier, many of us, this is what we think of when we hear that word, is that, you know, the West being settled. And I think that what's inside of human beings, inside of all of our hearts, is this idea, the idea of frontiers that we're chasing. You know, the next thing that we're moving towards, the next discovery, the next thing to be overcome, it's sort of written in our bones to conquer the unknown, to discover. And oftentimes that's, that's so central to where we find meaning in life, that great project that we're undertaking. You know, we, we search everywhere to find that thing that we're destined to do. And, and we really feel like it'll validate us as people when we find our thing, our calling, we often talk about it as. And then really when we decide what it is that we're going to go after, oftentimes we sort of make it like, okay, it's me versus the world to get there, right? Because of course I'm the hero of the story and everything's going to stop me from getting to that thing that I feel destined to do. But I want to ask the question today, what happens when that sort of drive to achieve inside of all of us, that, that thing that we're longing for, and maybe that thing you're longing for isn't necessarily some massive achievement, but just like a break from uh, the world as it is. But what happens when that, that next thing, that thing you're longing for, that thing that's still to come, that future frontier, um, what happens when our drive for that comes into contact with a truly limitless God? And uh, again, once again, I love Jacob for this reason. He, he is such a great mirror. And where we picked up this story last week uh, on Sunday was sort of the moment where 
all of Jacob's striving, all of his schemes, all of his pursuit of whatever it was he was going for had sort of left him in not a good place. It was all unraveling. You know, it didn't turn out how he thought it would. And Jacob is on the run now. He's alone. It didn't earn him anything. He really exhibits for us sort of an unparalleled version of this drive you get inside of all of us. You know, you have this sense that Jacob doesn't even know what he's after. He's just trying to get more of everything, right? He, he, he doesn't even know what it looks like to arrive. He doesn't know what it'll feel like to have enough. <laughs> he, he just keeps going after more and more and more. And into the mess that he creates and into all of his flaws along the way steps the creator. And it's just this wonderful moment we examined in depth on Sunday. Um, But God meets him right where he's at, steps into his story, and really steps into his mess in a very surprising way, one that is full of promise for Jacob. But then presents the old conundrum within Jake. You know, he can't earn it. He can't control it. If, if God's just going to give it to him, there's nothing to achieve. And quite frankly, he doesn't know how to operate with that. And some of us are that way too. You know, isn't it funny how we react to the grace of God, the free gift of the grace of God in our lives? Sometimes it's like, well, how, how do I earn that? How do I achieve it? How do I make sure I have it even? Um, we don't know how to operate like this either sometimes. So Jacob begins to do something funny with God here. I want to read the passage to you from Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 to 22. In the New Living Translation, it says this. So God interacts with Jacob, starts making incredible promises to him, and Jacob says this back to God. Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, Then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything that he gives me. So notice here in in, uh, Jacob's story, we kind of talked about it on Sunday. He uses a number of if statements, clauses in this contract he's making with God. He's throwing conditions at God, and there's like a clear delineation of like, okay, well, this is my expectation then. If I'm going to let you be my God, these are the things that I expect from you. See, God's sovereignty, God's intention even to bless him, it still didn't quite fit in to Jacob's plans. The Old Testament scholar John Goldengay says of this moment of bargaining with God and how Jacob does, he says, it gives us a sense of control. And we can, you know, there's a list of rules to fulfill and we can fulfill them and know that God will be pleased with us. But that doesn't really work in personal relationships and it does not work in a relationship with God. It's a good reminder for us. And I think that Professor Golden Gay is right. Jacob is trying to set up rules here. And we know that in any relationship, trying to set up rules, even putting people in our debt, like I did this for you, you now owe me this, you know, We're trying to make sure, we're trying to make certain of how they will then act. We're trying to control the situation. And that is not a real relationship. That is certainly not the relationship that God intended with Jacob. And that's not the relationship that God intends with us either. I was doing a wedding this past weekend. And one of the things we say about weddings and about marriage in general is that this is a covenant relationship. It's not a contract with clauses and conditions. And in the same way, our relationship with God has always been covenantal, and it's based on his character. 
you know, Professor Golden Gay is right. We tend to operate like this, but watch how God operates with Jacob. Verse 13 through 15 of chapter 28 says this, when Jacob has his amazing vision dream here, God standing at the top of the stairway says to him, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground that you're lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, the west and the east, the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised you. That right there is how you make a promise to somebody. That is amazing. And one of the things you notice about this promise from God, he doesn't use the word if a single time. He never throws conditions on there. He says, I'm doing it. It's going to be like this. This is what I've spoken. That's amazing. That is an amazing passage of scripture. You know, God wants to show you as well that he has already overcome on your behalf. He is going to do the work that he wants to do in your life. And really the thing that you're searching for in every corner of the universe, that next frontier, everything pales in comparison to what his desire is. And what's more, this isn't a question of if at all. God is showing you goodness after goodness after goodness because goodness is who he is. It's his character. It's his nature. So if this is true, I guess the question is, Really, what are we holding on to? What are we holding on to? If the creator of the universe has a plan and a destiny of blessing for you and I, what other frontier could be more important for us to explore? What other plan do we have in our lives? Maybe we would rather God wouldn't touch. <laughs> you know, we all have these ideas and these dreams, these desires even, of what we want to see happen in our lives. Sometimes we put those things off limits to God himself. You know, will we trust God with those things? Jim Elliott says this. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. You know, when we choose to let Jesus show us his ways, we are never left wishing that we could go back to what, he, what we had in mind. We're never left wishing like, ah, oh, but, you know, it would have been cool to do that. When we choose to trust Jesus, it always, always exceeds our expectations. But when we choose to surrender to God in this way, oftentimes it makes us stand out in our world. It causes us to operate differently than our world. I mean, after all, we're following a leader in Jesus who did the exact opposite of climbing the ladder, of pursuing all these other dreams of what we thought arrival and success looked like in life. He kind of did the exact opposite. He stepped out of heaven to be with us. And he invites us to follow his lead and living incarnationally this way. If anything, the ladder God invites us to is an upside down ladder. You want to be great, he said, you know, be the least. You want to be first, willingly choose to be the last, allow others to go before you. You know, instead of all the achievements and all the striving like we see in Jacob and we often recognize in our own hearts, those things, instead of chasing after those things that cannot really fulfill the longings within us, Jesus promises us that we will have more of what our hearts are designed for when we choose to follow him. We'll have more of his presence. Look at verse 15 again. God says, what's more, I am with you. I am with you. That's the most important thing. His presence 
is all that we need. And there should be nothing in our lives that we would not give up to get more of his presence. So a couple of questions to reflect today. Number one is this. What are the things that you are driven by? What are the frontiers in your life? Maybe it's achievements and discoveries. Maybe you're, you're driven for success. Maybe you're someone who loves just learning and knowledge and you're driven by you know, knowing more about the way the world works. Maybe it's, you know what, I'm, I'm really driven towards relaxation and pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to retirement. Uh, that is when I'm gonna feel comfortable. Maybe we're driven for those kind of things. But what are you driven by? What are those things for you? Second question, what do you think God feels about those things that you reach for? How does God feel about those plans, those dreams that you have? Remember, C.S. Lewis says that the desires we have, the Lord doesn't find those things too strong in us. Like, oh, I wish you didn't desire that. He finds them too weak because it pales in comparison to his idea of what's going to be good in your life. You know, he knows what we need, says Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. He knows everything you need. And he wants to give you, he delights in giving you good gifts. This is who he is. His goodness never changes. Maybe even you've struck a bargain with God on these things. Like, okay, God, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with Christians who said, we have a special arrangement, me and God. He knows I have this going on in my life and he's cool with it because I'm going to give him this. Maybe you've bargained with God. Jacob's a master bargainer. And one of the things we see is that God is patient with us, <laughs> even when we're bargaining, but he longs for us to simply come to him and trust him with what he wants. The last question is simply this. How can you do just that? How can you place your trust in him today? You know, maybe what is a small way today that you can trust him? One of the plans that you're holding on to for even this afternoon that you can trust him with or this week. What are some things that you can say, hey, Lord, I'm holding on to this. I think it's going to work out. But can I have your thoughts on these things? How do you feel about it? How can I live more your way in all of this today? So perhaps the final frontier for us is not space, is not the depths of the Mariana Trench. Perhaps the final frontier that we need to explore most is the depths of the human heart. And the most important exploration that we can do is not self-actualization or reaching for the stars, but plumbing the depths of God's unlimited love for us. Diving in with him and saying, God, show me what your desires are for me. Maybe that's the most important exploration we can do. Maybe that's the destiny that we need to be searching for. And that's my prayer for you today. I want to read to you a prayer, just that, from the book of Ephesians chapter 3 as we close today. And this is my prayer for you as well. Paul says this in Ephesians 3 chapter 16. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to grasp, to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more 
than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And you can say amen on that one. May you have the power to grasp that God's intentions towards you, his goodness towards you is so unlimited and that he can do even more than the best thing that you can think up. And may you choose this week to seek that in your life. We love you and we cannot wait to see you for some more of this kind of discussion. I pray that this has been useful in your life and we'll see you next time.